This is a podcast from Red Hog Publications. Red Pod. Red Pod. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening out there in podcast land. Whatever time of the day, night, or day of the week you're listening to this, welcome to the plush-welded studios of Red Hawk Publications for the next great episode of Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. I am here with Patty Thompson, our acquisitions editor, the head of the whole thing, Richard Eller, and our graphic designer and all-around intelligent and idealistic person, Melanie Zimmerman, (laughs) with two N's on the end. I'm Robert Knipe, and we're here today to have a complaint session. No, it's not really a complaint session, because we're not supposed to be negative. We're supposed to be positive. But we're going to talk to you today about a few of our projects that we've done in the past, Um, especially the new release, The Last of the Lions, by Clarence B. Jones, how we got that book, uh, all the trials and tribulations bringing it to press, and to talk about a few other ideas and projects that we've done. So if you'll bear with us, we'll get started. Who wants to go first? I'll take Last of the Lions. I mean, that's kind of going to be our flagship book. And so here's the deal on it. Um, Through a a, a friend of the program who decided that we um, might be able to publish this, they offered us the opportunity to land this project, and we took them up on it. We said, yeah, we'd love for a, a shot at that. And that was early 2022, right around April, May of that time. And we took it on knowing that this guy is going to be a big deal. He's one of the hidden figures of the civil rights era, but one, truly, the title is is apt. He's one of the last of the lions. So there was all this information about the civil rights era as the lawyer for Dr. Martin Luther King, he was, and his subsequent um, work in various areas of American history. And we took it on and with a, a, what do you call it, a, a, it was not a ghostwriter, a co-writer, Stuart Connolly. Uh, that book was finally finished, the writing of it, what, sometime late in the year, early this year? April. April of this year. And so now coming to August 1st, we are getting the thing out. We've all had our fingers on it. We've all read it. We've all gone through it. And now we are at the stage where we want the public to do the same. It's been a ride. Definitely. We want the public to do the same. So go to Amazon.com. Just put us on pause. We'll still be here when you get back. Go to Amazon.com and look up Clarence B. Jones. And it's the cover, bright blue cover with the Clarence Jones on the cover. And he's got his fist. He's shaking his fist at you because he's daring you to buy the book. <laughs> so right now, Amazon's got it on sale. They've marked it down a little bit. So uh, for for pre-order at the time of this uh this recording. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably be past April fir- or August first, and it'll be uh, it'll be out. But uh, yeah, get on there. You can also go to bookshop.org. You can also go to barnesandnoble.com. And if our distributor does what they're supposed to do, the book should be available everywhere. everywhere. So. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> and what? hopefully by the time of the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington, you may have heard about Clarence B. Jones from several different sources because as a civil rights icon and one of the truly one of the last, along with Andrew, John, Andrew Young, um, he is he was there at the event. He helped write the I Have a Dream speech. He copyrighted the I Have a Dream speech for Dr. King's family. And so he's pretty seminal, although not well known, prior to the release of this memoir. One of the reasons I enjoyed working on the book was because it did represent a challenge for us. It's a lot of firsts. It's our first working with a distributor, which happens to be UNC Press. It's our first hardcover with a dust jacket, so it actually looks fancy. Um, it's the first working with a team. You know, I mean, we're not just working with the author, which is pretty much what we've done to date, but we're working with an author, a co-author, a manager, um, a rep. It's It's been a real interesting experience at a new level. 
It has, yeah, because I had somebody, a uh, member of my family, look at it and say, you guys did this? As in, you know, and, and another member of the family said, you know, you're, you're kind of denigrating what they're doing. And I said, no, I understand. I mean, we've done a, a certain number of books. We've had a couple of hardcovers, but we've never had anything like this. Yeah, lots of firsts, working with printers, uh, you know, advanced payment to get books. It's It's been an incredible learning experience, and I feel like a publisher, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it did force us to branch out in a lot of ways that we hadn't done before. Yeah, and not, and not all of the areas we've branched out into have been, you know, nice and smooth either. Some of them have been quite bumpy, Lots like the old-fashioned washboard dirt roads that we used to have <laughs> around here, you know, that when you'd go across them, it would just, you know, your liver would wind up in your in your esophagus. Uh, we've we've uh, created opportunity for like the uh, community college business office system to do things that it's not used to. Yes, we've, uh, <laughs> we've challenged the status quo on a number of levels here. In our standard contract, which has typically been standard, it's a little different for this one. Mm. Uh, but, but again, uh, we're dealing with a different animal, and so when you get a book that's not picked up by you know the top publishing companies in New York City, for example, and it ends up in our lap. Um, we had to learn really quickly. And I think we were pretty agile. So I'm proud of us and what we've done. Yeah. And as of this date, it is not it is not our biggest seller, although we anticipate it to be going down the road. We've had some other things that have come up this year that have been quite surprising in terms of the uh, the embrace that has been felt by the public. Oh, I'm, t- I'll, I'm talking about we want them infected. And that would be my story. <laughs> yeah, just right, right quick. Uh, if you want to understand what we want them infected is, please go to redhawkpublications.com and look up we want them infected. Uh, also, too, I want to mention that... Uh, uh, of, of all of our 130, 131, 132 books we've published, uh, I've had several authors in the past say that our contract is the is the is the best that they've ever that they've ever seen in publishing. That we pay the highest royalties. We also give them the most input in their books as to what their covers look like, what their interiors look like. Uh, and so, in best, you mean fairest to the author? Yes, yes exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Instead of just saying this is the way it is and this is, because I've had authors who I've sent, you know, a fifty-five dollar royalty payment, tell me, "Wow, I've got a book <laughs> over here at X publisher that's been there for ten years, and I've never gotten a royalty check on it, and I know that it's sold." Because some of those contracts have, you know, nice little things in them where if you don't make but so much money, you will not get any money. But we, you know, we make sure everybody gets every dime that they're due on their royalty. So, you know, potential authors out there, you know, if you're unhappy with your publisher, come on in to us. (laughs) I think a lot of that has to deal with the fact that we are a state community college. You know, we again, I always like to, to tell people we are not spending our summers on the Hamptons, you know. We are state employees who work for a community college, and as a result, we want to get people's words out. We really do back our statement of trying to get good works out to the public that otherwise would not be there. So as a result, we are able to give them as much as, much as possible in terms of the royalties. And, and that, that means that books that are controversial, like we want them infected. And that's one of the reasons why the book sold like it is, because it's controversial. Yeah. And just to give some backstory on that, um, I remember getting Dr. Jonathan Howard. He's the author of the book. He's a New York City physician who was in Manhattan during the, the start of the COVID outbreak, which really impacted New York City. And he wrote me in October of 2022. So we're less than a year. He writes me, finds me on Google. And he explains that he's got this manuscript that he has sent to different publishers. He'd been denied from a few. He was on hold with another. And he was wondering if we would consider it. And I'm like, sure, send it to us. Let's look it over. And we looked at it. And because he is a science-oriented physician who believes in vaccines, the book had a slant and a bias. uh, And whether you believe in it or not, we took him at his word that his book was well substantiated, and it was. It's a 600-page book of which 200 are endnotes. Um, we thought it was worthy of getting out. And, you know, one of the things we always tell our authors is it's a partnership. 
we ask you to help us market your book because we are a staff of three and a half. You're listening to three and a half right now. We don't have a marketing department. <laughs> I'm the half, by the way. <laughs> we don't have a distribution <laughs> network uh, that's fully in place. So in other words, we told Dr. Howard, if we do your book, we're going to have to rely on you to help sell it. And let me tell you something. He did. He sells his book by, well, lack of better terms. He sells it by getting in Twitter wars with people. And we can tell when he has really good uh, tweet when, fights when going on. When there's a firefight going <laughs> yeah. on. By the time this airs, it might be called X instead <laughs> yeah, well, of Twitter. So Yeah, but that all said, <laughs> he gets in arguments with people that are you know, anti-vax or anti-science, and we can see the next day we're selling 20 or 30 more books. So you just go ahead with yourself, Dr. Howard, and sell those books on Twitter or X. I'll tell you the thing I really like about him is that he is the perfect example of our partnership with us as, a, as an author. Because not only is he doing that to promote, he's also plowing the revenues that he's getting, the royalties he's getting from the book, into an audiobook that should be out sometime, you know, very soon. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's. Doubling down, he's yeah, exactly. He's taking his royalties. He's putting it into the audiobook. He's doing a Kindle book, and so he's keeping that book alive. You know, it first came out. I want to say maybe in middle of May. That's when the that's right paperback was available, and he's going to get a spike in sales when the Kindle comes out and when the audiobook comes out. So we're going to constantly see that book sell. And as the head of the shipping department, I can attest to the fact that that book has gone all over the world. Uh, we've sent that book to New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Italy, uh, Canada, the UK. I mean, honestly, it has gone all over the world. And now maybe still second to Mary Jo Peel, or is it Beater? No, I think it, it Beater. Okay. All right. Beater. Yeah, wow. so if, if Dr. Jones sells well, he might beat. We we want them infected. But I'm telling you, that, that book was – that's the biggest royalty check we've paid out yet – uh, and for you know tax purposes, I'll not I'll save Dr. Howard not tell the embarrassment everybody of everybody how much it is, <laughs> but uh, but really it's um, it's a book that sells like a book ought to, and it's and it's hard to sell a book in the United States nowadays. Bowker, you know, just earlier this year, Bowker just stated that 2.3 million books were self-published in the United States in 2021. So that's 2.3 million books that were self-published. That doesn't count the ones that the standard publishers right. yeah. uh, put out. So when we uh, when we talk about authors, you've got to help us market your book. You've got to get in the car and travel around the country and go to libraries and go to bookstores and go to places to help push your book. We mean it because you can sell books. If oh sure! You, if yeah. you promote them, so. you, got, you got to go out and find the audience. And we've had books by authors who don't want to do that, and consequently, their books haven't sold particularly well. Yep, and that's—I mean, it's Dr. Howard proves it because he's a constant uh, presence on Twitter. He's a constant presence on other social media. He has done scads of. Podcasts and interviews. He was in the L.A. Times. Uh, yeah, his book so, has been reviewed in yeah. the big city newspapers. Yeah. And he's got uh, a big story to tell here, so you can see why that that would be. Kind of like the Dr. Jones book showing up in the New Yorker and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah the New Yorker is going to—I think that's this week. The New Yorker yeah. came out last week, but the Washington Post is coming out okay. soon, as well as the Hickory Daily Record. Okay. Yes, yes. We, we did an exclusive interview. Covered the Exclusive with the Hickory Daily Record. <laughs> Uh, we're trying to help pump the Hickory Record circulation up a little bit. So, Melanie, what books have you, for your summer reading list that come from us, that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I want to talk about, I chose The Eagle by Pat uh, Viles. Okay. And um, this lady, I just love her. I mean, she's just one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and she's got so much um, traveling experiences and things that she wants to share, and this book that um, I helped lay out and work on with her is her life story during her experiences of doing the art retreats and um, learning how to do the different techniques and that kind of thing. So, and all the people that she's met. And um, the really cool thing is, is I know some of the people that she met, like Vay Hamilton and um, Kate Worm. And it's it was just, just to read it, it was just like she just sat down one day and just started writing. 
And even though it was, some of it was rambling on, it was <laughs> it was just endearing to hear, you know, the story about the animals in her backyards or um, the people that she stayed with over in the other countries and the enduring, long enduring friendships that she's kept over the years. And Pat just turned or is going to be turning 85 um, coming up in October, I believe. And, and some of those artists that you mentioned, like Kate Warman, like they're mm-hmm. like local legends. They are very local. And connected with the Hickory Museum of Art, mm-hmm. which is going to have an event for her, right? Yeah, she's supposed to have her book signing on Sunday, August the 20th from um, 2 until 4. And um, the bookstore or the gift shop at the um, HMA has got um, about 30 or 30 books in stock for her to sell that day. And she'll be there to sign them and um, I think it's going to be a great event. And you can also get it at redhogpublications.com. We have several copies in stock ready to ship out. This was a book that I'm really happy that Melanie came onto our team when she did because this was a book that I was that I laid out originally. And uh, for gosh sakes, you know, I'm an English teacher and I'm a bookseller. Uh, I'm not necessarily imaginative enough to be a book layout artist. I, can, I know enough to be dangerous, but this is a book that Melanie took under her wing and and changed so much. <laughs> I chose the eagle under her wing. I get yeah, that. Oh <laughs> wow! I made a pun and didn't even know it. But anyway, I just about wept when I saw what she had done to it. And the same thing with a book that we're doing for uh, New Salem Church. Uh, she put her personality into that book and did things that you know I would have never have dreamed to do. And not only did she make Pat happy with I Chose the Eagle by changing the cover and, and just doing some wonderful things in the interior, she made me happy because I know now a product's going to go out and it's going to be something that the author and the public can be proud of when, oh. they, when they buy it. So thanks, Melanie, Thank for you. doing, Thank you. doing yeah, those yeah. things. She, she has really elevated our game. I mean, when you know this Goomba that came up with his furniture book wanted to do something, and she said, oh, I can make that look much better. Oh, yeah, that's she did. another one that, you know, the guy that wrote that is so, <laughs> well, so my mother to used to call queer. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have hated to have had to do that book, but... Uh, well crafted came out being a nice giant honker of a book that uh, you know it's a doorstop, but it's easy to read. It's it lays open easy and and it's it's easy on the eyes, and that's all due to Mrs. Emberman over here. So thank you well, for thank, all that good work. Thank you, and I do want to say when you know I've had my hand in quite a few of these books, either doing the indexes or changing, you know, helping another artist get their their work done and that kind of thing, and. Like with Dr. Um, Jones' book, I, I was alive during the time that all of that stuff was happening with Martin Luther King. And, when and, you know, I was five, but I still yeah, remember well, it. all of us were. We and don't like to tell it. But. So I knew, I knew a lot of the people, you know, Andrew Young and all that, because I grew up in Atlanta. So I knew a lot of those people, but also dealing with Well Crafted, I knew a lot of people in the furniture industry and wrote his, the wrote his book, weaving um, the heart threads and that kind of thing. So being the creative side of it, I get the opportunity to actually read through the books and get to see the stories, and I can connect with them because I know them. Well, to get back to the Pat Viles book, you also got to present a lot of her art mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a colorful book because we see what she was creating at the time, mm-hmm. and you were the one who made those images pop from the page. Yeah, I went in and I, I went in and it's called toning, but I went in and brightened them up a little bit and brought the colors out and um, laid them out in a way that when you look at them, you can really see them and, and enjoy them. And um, being a stained glass person, a lot of her silk paintings came out to me as stained glass works. And so there's a lot in there. And she had really nice photographs of the places that she's visited. And um, she's done watercolor. She's got watercolors. And she's also shared her friend's artwork in there as well. So um, it's a collaborative piece, for And sure. she's been all over the world, so you're probably going to get sales, Mr. Shipping Department. I hope so. All over the world. Yeah. I hope so. I like, I like coming in early and boxing that stuff up. Yeah. I love every time my phone goes cha-ching. Yeah. Send it to and China. Sale. Yeah. Send it to France. France. Send it all over the place. She's still showing um, in France now. She was showing in Japan and China, but she is, since she's gotten a little bit of older, she's decided that she's going to kind of cease off from that, but she's still sending stuff to France to be shown in museums over there and galleries, so 
she's all over the place. And this is kind of a career capping work mm-hmm. that she's entrusted us with, mm-hmm. which is you know pretty phenomenal to be honored in that way. Yeah. And so August the 20th, 2 to 4 p.m., Hickory Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Come buy the book or buy it on Red Hawk, uh, redhawkpublications.com and bring it for her to sign. Either yes. way, it'll work. Yeah, and now, one of the things Melanie taught me in her doing this book was she taught me that you can actually make the colors. The colors might look a little garish on your computer screen, but the printer will actually mute them some. So you can actually tone them up to where when the printer mutes them down, they'll be perfect. And it takes, you know, doing a couple of proofs and looking at things that you can get a you can get a really nice representation of a piece of art from, you know, a, a print on demand if you know what you're doing and you know, because you look at it on the screen and go, wow, that's really bright. And that might just be, no, leave it the way it is. Because when the printer gets it, it's going to tone it down some. You, you know so. who taught me that? Robert Reed from the Hickory Daily Record taught oh, me that. Oh, yeah. Because we I, were having to tone black and white photographs, and he was teaching me about contrast. Yeah, because the printing process takes some out of it. Mm-hmm. And because when you're putting something on a piece of paper that, you know, is in and of itself, it's not glossy, it's not fancy, but you can still have the photograph represent well if you know how to go past its, you know, tone it up to the point to where it, it might be uncomfortable for you when you look at it on the computer screen, but what comes out of the printer is going to be just right. Mm-hmm. So it all comes out in the wash. Yes, it does. And that's why Melanie's been such a valuable um, uh, shot in the arm to us because of those design design skills that she brings to it. Now, for the Pat Viles book, it's art for itself, but it's also documenting her, her path as an artist. Mm-hmm. Another book that we've got that documents pictures, they may not be as pretty as some of Pat's work, but they document nonetheless is the Road His book. Yes. Talk about that one. Um, well, we had a lot of um, black and white photographs that came back maybe 100 years ago of what the um, Road His was like before Dick Power came in. And we had a lot of historical documents and a lot of audio files that came in that um, documented what was happening at the time. And when Burlington moved in and um, how people lived in the mill houses and all that. But... Um, we did have to go in and tone a lot of those. Some of them were poor quality, but we were able to go in and bring up the contrast a little bit and clear those, um, not make them so bitmappy looking, jaggy looking. And um, so that, that helped a lot in that process. Now, there's a boatload of them in that book. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a bunch of pictures. There's like, what is it, 700, 700 and something and photographs? 90-something. <laughs> and it led to a war with one of the printers. Yeah, to get it right. Because one of the printers, you know, just kind of just threw it in there and didn't do a good yeah. job. We had books come in with the covers cut sideways and pictures looking Craziness. horrible. And, yeah. but I've, and, I've never seen a group of residents so proud of that book, though. Oh, yeah, yeah when you are. When you think in terms of what Sherry Sigmund wrote, which she's been collecting pretty much her entire life since elementary school, um, she's written the seminal history of a small mill village. And so you've gotten folks who've never really felt like they got their due. Road his is, you know, that big. And so every it gets looked over. So she wrote a, a really love song, if you will, mm-hmm. for her community. So anybody who's from Road his or and or live in Burke County or Caldwell. Caldwell, because it's one of the small towns that's actually in two different uh, counties. It's a really well-written, well-documented book. And again, if you're a resident, you're going to want it. And if you're not, but you live in the area... You're going to be intrigued. So we do encourage people to go to, what is that website, Robert? RedHawkPublications.com. i tell you what's weird about that is when I say that we've got this book on road hiss, and anybody that knows road hiss goes, okay. And I say, it's almost 600 pages. And they're like, how can there be 600 pages on road hiss? But she's got some great uh, oral histories mm-hmm. from people who live there, not to mention the 700 pictures that go along with it. I mean, this is a real compendium of everything that Road His was. I didn't know that it was a town wholly owned by Duke Power at one time, but she's got all that in there and all the big mills that were there, one of them still standing, one of them torn down. But it is right there on the Catawba River as you go across. And some people say you might miss it as you go through, but that was the place. And I think uh, TV station High Point just did a story on this. Mm -hmm. That was the place where the moon flag was woven. Mm -hmm. It's claimed to now it's going to have another one because they're going to do the 120th anniversary of the founding of Road Hiss 
this September, I think it is. So you'll have the opportunity to meet Sherry Sigmund, buy the book, attend the festival all in one go on the the hill above town where the town hall is. Mm -hmm. And please ask her to sign it. She loves to autograph her book. She just loves to do that. (laughs) Well, and you know, when I got the book, especially to lay the book out, it was, I equate it to um, the play Our Town. And, um, yeah, Thornton Wilder. Yeah. yeah, and so it's you, to hear those people that we had the audio of. Some of them are no longer with us, and you could just hear them giving us their history. Even though we were reading it, I could hear their voices, and um, so I was just really honored to be able to work on that book with Sherry. Yeah, I don't want to steal any of Sherry's thunder in case she does come in and talk to us on a podcast sometime. But she used COVID. The, the downtime and COVID to go through cassette tapes of interviews that she had collected since 1988. Mm-hmm. And she transcribed every one of those. What did she say she burned through? I was going to ask how many cassette players did she wear five. out? Was it five, five cassette players? She, yeah. she was having to buy them on eBay and stuff like that. The old fashioned cassette players mm-hmm. with the keys on the, the front. Yep. You know, you, you, you millennials out there, you need to put us on pause and Google. Cassette what player. Cassette player. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making us feel really old, Robert. <laughs> well, they don't know what it is. I My know. grandkids I don't know. know what these things are. It's so. an analog recording device. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of guys on the hall here who are, you know, 20 years, 25 years younger than us, and they make fun of us all the time when we go, you know, I really like those cassettes. You know, ah, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> But that's you know that's the way it gets told. I mean, it's like Steve Hill. He did his Statesville book during COVID. It was a good time to be uh, uninterruptedly productive. Yep. Yeah, that's another book that's really cool. It's like two point. What is it? Two point something acres. And he's yeah, got a, and a half, he's yeah. got like two hundred years of history for that one little small part of you Statesville. You can look at one part from one corner <laughs> of the, the town square to the other. You yeah. can see it. And he wrote a book on it. Well, it's the it, center of town, so yeah. it's where everything. Ideally happened, you know, and, and it's and, award-winning too. And I'll yes. tell you something that 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 the Statesville book uh, and the shadow of the clock holds with the uh, weaving the heartstrings of a of a mill town is I have sent those books all over the country because there are people who grew up here and they have moved away. They hear about these books and they'll go on our website and they'll buy them. And then I'll go like, I wonder what somebody in Maryland wants with a book about road hiss. But it's somebody who grew up here or somebody whose parents. Their grandparents or something. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm sending them to Michigan. I'm sending them to California. I'm sending them to Oregon. It's it's just, you know, it's not just Granite Falls that they go to. It's Yeah, (laughs) and it really fulfills the mission of of the program here in that we have now done stories on, you know, books on Newton, Hickory, Road Hiss, Statesville. We're covering the history in a way that had we not been here, the vast majority, you know, the majority of people wouldn't know anything about. Come on, Morganton. Where are you? <laughs> Come on, Morganton. Morganton, Lenore. Granite Falls. Um, yeah, Granite Falls, Hudson. You know, we'll, we'll talk to anybody that's well, got it a, seems it's kind of funny because Hickory and Morganton have this little, you know. It's a rivalry. It's a rivalry. And, and, a yet, rivalry. and yet Morganton doesn't have a book yet. Hmm. Because hmm. for a long time. When, I think Patty's throwing shade. When, <laughs> when, when I used to be in business with, with the bookstores, there was a time when everybody from Morganton on Fridays and Saturday nights would all drive here to Hickory to go to the mall and, and go places because Morganton didn't have anything to go do. But since Morganton has now gotten restaurants and a thriving downtown and they've Brewery. got lots of things to do, yeah. there's a lot of folks that don't come to Hickory anymore. And that's one of the reasons why people will complain, you know, there's not a lot of business now. Well, you know, Morganton came into their own. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of secretly dig Morganton. I used to work there for many years. Um, and with the School of Math and Science, et cetera, et cetera, long story short, they are worthy of a book. They, they, there's yeah. a lot of history that's going on there. So I guess that'll be something I'll work on this fall, guys. <laughs> well, it's like um, in in Hickory. You know, Hickory's got this tradition of having books periodically written about itself. And the last one before we did ours was by Wake Bridges called Hickory. It's one hell of a town, which, you know, the, the title is there to, to grab you by the, the shirt collar and pull you in. But... Um, Every now and then, you do need a retelling of what the what the town's all about. What what all these people who came together, what they did together, and what they were able to create. It, it's um, it's it's a way to understand, especially for newcomers, of what am I getting myself into if I move to Hickory. 
you know. And you know what? I want to hear about Robert's summer read list. What's what's exciting you about what we do here, Robert? What books have you been working on, or <laughs> anything that you love, like <laughs> challenged? Pick one out of the hundred thirty. <laughs> out of the out of the whole group, I'm probably the most conservative um, person when it comes to this stuff. And I'm not talking about conservative politically. I'm talking about conservative as in spending and what we publish and stuff like that. I've always got this worry that something's going to go wrong or something's not going to work because human beings often go wrong. I don't worry about the. I really love the product we do. I just don't trust a lot of the systems that's in place to to do it. But I've just it's been a challenge. Ha- I honestly have been happy doing poetry. Um, I've just been really pleased to do some poetry books for some poets that are just kind and great people. Um, also doing books for people that might be their last book. Eighty-five-year-old uh, Pat Viles. Uh, we've got some poets that uh, you know have said this is my last book for one reason or the other. And it just makes me proud that they chose our program, our company, to publish their books. And, you know, every poetry book that I've done has got a different personality. And it's not only the the poems are different and the subjects are different, but the poets are different, too. I mean, some of them will throw some stuff together and you, you put together a proof and they'll go, that's great. Print it. Let's go to press. And others will ask you to move this line and move this line. Let's take this poem and take it from page 22 and put it on page 31 and take the one on 31 and put it on 58 and they'll reshuffle things. And, and, you know, sometimes it's a challenge when you're, you know, an English teacher pretending to be a graphic artist uh, to do those things. But eventually, you know, we wind up with something that's, uh, that's really good. And, and a lot of them sell. I mean, uh, um, Paul Paul Jones Paul Jones book something wonderful something wonderful yeah. is a perennial seller yeah, because it it's a really cool book of poetry and he's a really cool you know uh, very intelligent guy um, we've got uh, poets who are on the friends and family plan you know that <laughs> they sell to their friends that's and family we, yeah we and, really need to discuss the friends and family and, plan and that's all right. Um, but you do, you know, you do have some that are are branching out, and one that has branched out way before us, but who is nice enough to publish with us, Scott Owens. Uh, my wife got a copy of All In and just loved it. Yeah. Didn't think she would. You know, was was a little. Uh, you know, what what is this? Intrigued enough to buy it, and then once she got it, she just really enjoyed it. Well, Scott is a the first the first book we did for Scott, uh, Sky Full of Dreams. I was so excited to get a book by him because he had already published like 14 books, something like that, with other publishers. And to me, Scott is like a poet's poet. Um, He's very highly trained in poetry. He's also considered to be one of the better North Carolina poets. And Scott is also good at promotion. That's another thing that's real good about, about Scott. But getting a book from Scott was like, that was a high mark for me because I know how particular he is. Not that he's particular as in get on your nerves or annoy you particular, but he's just very particular in what he wants to put out there. And that he chose us, I was very happy. And he's since chosen us four more times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prolific writer. Yeah. Because we did uh, World's Enough, which was a children's book of po- poems with... Um, Missy Cleveland, Missy Cleveland, oh, yeah, who's yeah. got a new business down in Newton. Uh, he did prepositional with us, and he's done the sequel to uh, the book that he did with uh, Priscilla Campbell, Pris Campbell from out of uh, Florida. This book, All In, mm-hmm. which you know is selling briskly, and all the reviews that come back say that it's a tearjerker of a book of poetry. Very mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. That it's really uh, uh, heartfelt. So um, for me, it's just the whole time we've been doing this, these books of poetry are just, uh, I'm real proud of, of our poetry that we've put out. There is another poet, well, it's interesting, Ken Harbert. Yeah. Um, our Paths in Life. Mm-hmm. This guy is, has got a doctorate. He's um, a world-class, world-renowned uh, physician's assistant who helps make policy for, for programs that teach physician's assistants across the world, and he just wrote a poetry book. We published it, 
And no one knows him as a poet, but he is. And, yeah, he's friends and family plan, but you know what? It's also being picked up by people that are not his friends or family. Yeah. Um, it's actually a good book. So we really do like getting those new submissions in and meeting new people that I didn't know that part of you. I didn't know that you had that in you. And he does. Yeah, it's 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 a stretch, but um, we love to see people stretch. Now, can we talk? I guess, uh, covertly about anything that we got coming up. Do we want to do that? I just want to say one more thing about Ken. Uh, Ken impresses me because he, he, he scheduled an appointment with us, and he and I and Patty sat down, and Ken asked us questions about promoting his poetry book. What can I do to help you sell it? What can I do? And that really impressed me because here you've got a guy who has never written poetry, but he's written poetry, but he's now just published it. But he wants to come in and not talk about another book, not talk about anything, but how can I help you publish this or sell this market it yeah. and market it? And we sat and gave him a bunch of ideas, and he was really, really open to that. And that just, that just made it easy, and it, very, it impressed me because of the fact that he wants to sell these books. He wants people to say, here's a guy I've never heard of. He's not a friend. He's not a family. But you know what? He's a damn good poet. And and I, I like that in, in Ken. So... Uh, those are the best kind of authors to have. Yeah, ones. Just, Think about the big picture. It's not just I sat down and wrote this in isolation and I'll give it to the world, but how do I um, uh, help get it out? Yeah, because, again, there are so many books published in a year in this country that it is so easy to get lost in that shuffle. And if you don't do something, you can you can find yourself a nice little niche that you can occupy and sell books and make money and become well known, but you gotta throw some books in the trunk of the car and you gotta get out there and you gotta the guys that hustle sell. the people that yeah, hustle yeah. sell books. Richard, you asked an interesting question in terms of what we're looking at for the fall winter because as acquisitions editor I'm kind of in control of we finished our winter spring and now we're looking at what we're doing over the next six to eight months. And there is one particular poetry book I'm looking forward to, and it's by Tony Robles. Mm-hmm. I believe the name of it is Metamorphosis. I'm not sure. It's I thought it was Thrift Store. Oh, my apologies. It's Thrift Store. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it would have changed. But I'll Working tell you, titles change. No, no well, actually, it is Thrift Store. But the reason why the word metaphors, metaphors, metamorphosis comes is because... You have a hard time with that one, don't you? <laughs> I gave him very evil eyes. Yes, um, by did. the way, she did. He gave us a note yesterday on what he wants on his cover. Okay, and I think both of you, Mel and Robert, yeah. you both got that note. And and metamorphosis is the theme of what he wants on his cover. Okay, he gave really clear notes on what he wants, which was kind of exciting to me because he works in a thrift shop part time. By the way, he is a celebrated, well known nationally poet. Look up Tony Robles. He's a Filipino-American from the West Coast. He's from uh, San Francisco area. And he's moved to, uh, I want to say Flat Rock or Hendersonville. He's, he's near us now. And um, he's writing this new book. He got a grant to write it. We were blessed to be able to publish it. And it's about his reflections of working in a thrift shop. We've looked at the poetry. It's phenomenal. It'll knock you out. You don't even like poetry? You're going to oh, read this it book. Is. It's You're phenomenal. going to read this book. Yeah. And the fact that his cover, he wants it to show the transition, the transformation, metamorphosis, mm-hmm. using um, pictures of a thrift shop with little butterflies. So I'm giving Robert and Mel notes here. Uh, that's kind of what he wants. But and, and I know, Mel, you're going to knock it out of the freaking park. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, so Mel, I you can do tagged. this one. <laughs> that, you can tag, girl. You're it. That's your cover. Yeah, yeah because in my mind, it's Guess like, what? oh, this is so Mel. Yeah, I mean, I sent it to Robert, but I really just wanted to send it to you. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, take a picture in the Goodwill and put a full bleed. You know. And then I would say, okay, <laughs> Robert, <laughs> okay, fix this. Now let's get serious about it. <laughs> That's cute, Robert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some that... that if, Poets that are coming up that I'm interested in working with is Howie Good and Harold Humphrey. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because I've seen Howie Good's artwork and he does collage work and he's very steampunky circus contraption kind of artwork. So people are really going to like 
this book just for the artwork, but the poetry is, is really good too. So and I'm really enjoying it. The Harold Humphrey book is goes right up your alley with uh, uh, something you do on the side, right? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. <laughs> he's a songwriter, so he's been sending me his his music and stuff. But um, we have a little band called the Screw Ups. And my husband is going to take his work, and we're going to see if we can put it together for him. So uh, we'll have an accompanied CD with the book because, you know, you don't know the song. If you don't if you don't know the melody, you really can't play it. You have to have some kind of idea what the melody is. What's a CD? <laughs> for those of you who don't know what a CD is, put us on pause and go to Google. We're liable to have like a—maybe we'll have a QR code we'll to, have a an QR MP3. code to, to an MP3. We'll have a QR code to an MP3, and yeah. we may even have videos. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to have some— some of Harold, uh, you know, maybe playing w- along with us in um, having conversations, almost like a little tiny desk concert. My grandson saw me with a CD in my hand the other day, and he says, "Hey, Papa, is that one of those things that you hang in the garden to keep the birds away?" Oh, God. And I said, no, this is a Miles Davis album. <laughs> it's a Frisbee. Well, you're yeah. not going to hang Miles Davis in the cornfield. Yeah, so. I mean. But there's so many of these things that have blossomed in ways that we never expected. I mean, look at Fieli's uh, upcoming event. He's going to take a story that he published with us, a children's book, and bring that character to life at HCT in the green room during the Art of Compassion and uh, has a play going on with it. So we've now got a book that's leading to music that kind of originally was lyrics, but Mm -hmm. is going to have it come full flower. You got Fieli's work that's going to become a stage play. There's no, really no limit anymore to what a book can can spawn. And we could do the signature yep. book series. Let's talk about that. That's so, a pretty big deal. That is a big deal. And that's one Melanie brought in after her work laying out Nimble and Tenacious, the history of CBCC. I got to meet um, Thomas Dana Jr.'s son, Thomas Dana III, um, Thomas, Thomas Dana, Dana Jr. Yeah. was the godfather, the creator of CVCC. He's the reason why we exist. And um, actually, it was Richard's fault because Richard wanted to put a photograph that was printed in the newspaper in the book. And I said, if this guy's the godfather. He needs to have something formal. So I tracked down the son, and, the, and his son sent me the photograph. So we've sort of kept a conversation going over the last year. As a matter of fact, it was almost a year to the day of our first contact when I, I we talked to him on the video chat. So um, we've come up with the Thomas W. Dana Jr. A scholarship and uh, signature book series. And um, so we're going to use that to select books out during the year that will get this uh, insignia um, placed on the cover to show their importance in the series. Yeah, some of our best work you'll see with that because he is the, um, as you say, the godfather. He's the one that brought all of this unknowing to him at the time of just what it would brought mm-hmm. but he's brought Red Hawk Publications you know kind of by uh, by association mm-hmm. into being so now it's our opportunity to honor him and his son is going to sponsor a Red Hawk Publications fund and scholarship he's he is has set up a fund for um it's a scholarship for the engineering and industrial technologies programs because his father was the um worked at the General Electric plant here in Hickory as the marketing director and um, personnel relations and that kind of thing. And his goal was to find a place where his employees and other uh, companies could bring their employees in to be trained. And so that's the reason why they built uh, the um, Catawba County Industrial Industrial Education Education Center Center in 1960. So that was what brought us in here in it's just a very proud moment because without him, I would not be here right now because I'm an uh, alumnus of CVCC as well. In and those days, it was all about um, vocational training. Mm-hmm. It morphed into, you know, college transfer and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But and we've kind of come full circle mm-hmm. with the Workforce Solutions Center. So he's a he's a very important guy. And anyway, anybody that would like to contribute to the fund can do so through our foundation. Through the foundation, and um, my goal was a hundred thousand dollars, and I've already. Got twenty thousand in, and so if and folks, wants we to can donate we it. can do that ten dollars at a time. All you got to do is a whole bunch of you give us ten dollars at a time. Mm-hmm. I was, also, I always like to say, give a buck. What the heck? Well, if eighty thousand of our listeners <laughs> will donate a dollar a piece, and we've also got you know, if you donate fifty dollars to Red Hawk Publications on our website. 
and that goes that goes toward the Thomas Dana Foundation. We will send you a book of your choice, uh, and we've also got one book on there that is only available through this promotion. And I'll let you find that on our website. A so, detective uh, work. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I wanted to mention that I've got two poets in my computer right now that are just about ready to be published. Uh, uh, we're very, very fortunate to have a poetry collection from Arlene S. Neal, Arlene mm-hmm. Spencer Neal, who used to be an English teacher here. She was the department head. And this is her first published book of poetry. She's been published all over the place in journals and poetry magazines and things like that. But this is her first collection. Um, I'm very, very proud to have it. It's very good. There's a great poem in there called In a Meeting. Mm. And it just <laughs> it just makes you feel just like what it's like to be in one of those meetings where the people read the PowerPoint to you. And oh. you're thinking about everything except what... <laughs> going on in the meeting. And they drone on endlessly. That's called yes. Death by PowerPoint. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's also got a terrific, and you have to excuse me, but she's got a terrific poem in there. Why do we think passing gas is funny? So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I've also got a poetry book by Karen Luke Jackson that mm-hmm. is just about done. Uh, she's published two previous books. Yes. And uh, she's in Flat Rock, too, isn't she? She's out... In isothermal land or yeah. uh, Blue Ridge Community yeah. College, she's out in that area. She's a PhD, and I think she was an English teacher or something like that. I have to check. But. And in the system for a long time, yeah, community college system. Yeah. She was in foundation work for a good long time. Yeah, and it's yeah. just a, it's kind of like a chat book. It's a, it's a little over fifty pages, but it's marvelous stuff. And she's got two other books out there too. And then we've got um, RPM the, friends. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because, if I'm not mistaken, is RPM Friends going to be the... First Thomas W. Dana uh, award to make that happen. So we're actually seeing the, the the Dana scholarship and fund plan help to fund one of our books that may or may not, you know, thanks to funding, would not necessarily be published, but mm-hmm. it is now. And it's a comic book series. Written by a young man from, yeah. from the our town in Catawba County. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we've got the uh, New Salem book, mm-hmm. which is which is almost in completion. We had some upload problems just this very morning with it, but we're fixing those to get that one out because uh, they're going to have some kind of celebration. Yeah, in August. In August, in August yeah. yeah. August the twentieth, as a matter of fact. August the twentieth. So August the twentieth is action packed in Red since we've got what August twentieth, August tenth, just so that if this is, comes out before the tenth, come on down to the Patrick Beaver Library. Red Hawk Publication will have an evening um, where we get to discuss stories behind the stories. Uh, we'll talk about some some of the books we've talked about today, but also maybe some of the stories that got away. Um, and some of the fun challenges that we don't necessarily want to be on audio. So, yeah, there are some. There, there are so some, don't bring your recorder. That's right. <laughs> there are some projects that got away. There's some projects that we we gave pushed away. away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you win some, you lose some, right? There, there yeah. have been some screaming matches. There have been some gnashing of teeth, but we've, it's we've, we've but, learned some things. But it's overall, it's been a it's been a it's a nice place to work. It's a nice place to work to know that every day when you come in, you're you're helping fulfill somebody's dreams because an author dreams of publication. A writer dreams of their words being read by someone else. And we make that possible for people who oftentimes otherwise would not have had the opportunity. And that's a, a very fulfilling, fulfilling thing to do. And it fulfills the mission of the college to present our our service area and the people who live in it in their best light, showing what we've done, what we hope to do, what we're doing now. All those things are very important to the health of a community to reflect it. And you know, when you're reading a book, it's a magic, it's a magic moment. One of our authors, Austin Allran, who wrote the, uh, the fantasy, um, the legend of the Isle of Cats. Yes. Um, when we, had, when we were I think we were in like the last revision of his book. I said, Austin, have you ever thought about reading? When you're reading, you're no longer where you are. You're in the story that an author has written up for you. So you're in that author's mind 
but you're also in the story of the character that he created too, or he or she created. I said, imagine how magical reading is that you can be in all these places at the same time. You can be in a place that you've never been. You can be in a place you've never gone to. So every book that we put out is an opportunity for a reader to go to a place they've never been and visit that place. And Austin was, you know, he'd not thought about that. Now, and that's one of the reasons I like Austin's book, to be honest with you. It literally did have me on the couch transported. It was Perfect fiction. Yeah, we've got I, several I, books yeah, of fiction, that are, fiction that are like that. Yeah. That the Aria is another one that takes you to a place that you know a, a, a kind of a despotic kind of future that's kind of like Hunger Game ish. Uh, we've got uh, Tony Granger's book. Um, it's I, a new day. It's a new day, which is a kind of like a. Uh, Noirish, yeah, kind of a noirish, yeah, you know, uh, a story that transports you into the lives of people that you know you would you normally in, never know. Yeah, living here in the South, yeah. you you know, yep. you get to get into the heads of some New Jersey folks and. <laughs> <laughs> and and Greg Trigg's book, uh, coming out in audiobook, is another way in which we are taking people, transporting people to those new worlds that we might not have thought of when we first started this program. Yeah, and it's authors like Greg and John Howard that push us toward, you know, because we go like, oh, God, doing an audiobook is so expensive and it's so hard and I've so many bad ones. But they, they persevere. They say, look, I want to do this, so let's do it, and we'll help you. So Greg's read, Greg read his own book. Yes. Uh, Jonathan Howard plowed his own money into his. Uh, so, you know, we, we we oftentimes say no, but we oftentimes get convinced that it's something we to ought to say do. yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and kicking and screaming, they've brought us up. Well, <laughs> and, and they're partnerships in that they've, you know, they've got some skin in that game, and yeah. so that helps us be able to do those sort of mm-hmm. things. Well, it looks like we have exhausted our summer reading list for Yeah, we've you about folks. jack-jawed enough. So <laughs> those of you out there who are still listening, thank you and bless your hearts. <laughs> and believe me, it is plush and it is welded from where we sit. So we want you to enjoy those worlds that we can take you into. And we hope that you would go to where? Redhawkpublications.com. Okay. It's easy. We take all kinds of stuff. You know, we we'll even trade you if you got some sausage or some bacon or something like that. We'll meet you here on campus and give you books and for breakfast. Got to eat. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you all out there for joining us. Uh, Please look at uh, you know whatever it is you need to do to punch like or subscribe or whatever it is on whatever platform you like to to listen to us on. Yes, like, subscribe, Uh, and share. Yeah, yeah. And, and donate to the program, donate to the college. Come to the college and take a couple classes. We'd love to see you in our classes as well. Richard's history classes, my English classes. Melanie so, teaches uh, uh, stained glass. Stained glass yeah. down at the East Campus. Ooh, so we, we'd love to see you in there on Monday nights. So thank you for listening to us as we ramble on. I want to thank uh, Richard Eller, Patty Thompson, Melanie Zimmerman for sitting in here with me in this heat. And... Uh, I hope that you will join us again sometime, and I hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful day, night, evening, morning, whatever it is for you there. Hey, I want to say Red Hub. Go ahead. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. (laughs) (laughs) I thought somebody was squeezing him over there. Red Pub Pod. Thank you for listening to another episode of Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. A podcast from Red Hog Publications. Red Pop Pop. Red Pop Pop.